people of the internet we are live and we've got a friday florida freedom extravaganza i couldn't think of an f word that worked with extravaganza uh joining me today is the co-host of the nationally syndicated radio show clay and buck buck sexton a fox news and new york post columnist carol markowitz and a former nypd officer and political commentator john cardillo buck carol john Good to see you guys. We all took a, a private flight up to Tallahassee. I was in the cockpit and John handed me champagne. We're all still here. So pretty, uh, pretty good start to the week, wouldn't you say? We made Great it. Great start to the week. Uh, <laughs> I did not know. I did not know that as the co-pilot, you're whole situation over there is basically exactly what the main pilot has. So had he had a medical condition or episode or something, I, I was gonna take us home, which is uh, very scary. Gotta land the plane and relay that to you if in fact, and this was just so everyone's clear, this is one of those, you know, yeah. was it, it was one of those planes, which always feels a little more, I don't know, to me, but. It was a, it was a little, I was on that flight. <laughs> it was I a little prop plane, but we made it to Tallahassee. And of course, the reason we were in Tallahassee, we weren't just going for nothing, uh, was for Governor Ron DeSantis's inauguration uh, and the ball and a couple other events that were going there. So let's let's start with that, because I think as everyone watching this knows, uh, all four, four of us are Floridians. Three of us, uh, Buck, Carol, and I are new Floridians. John's been here for about 20 years, so we got to give the shout out yep. to the OG. Uh, but good <laughs> things are happening down in Florida, and that's in strong contrast to just sort of the endless dysfunction that is happening uh, in D.C. as we speak at this very moment. Uh, so let's throw to just a little bit of Governor DeSantis's inauguration speech. This bizarre but prevalent ideology that permeates these policy measures purports to act in the name of justice for the marginalized, but it frowns upon American institutions. It rejects merit and achievement, and it advocates identity essentialism. We reject this woke ideology. We seek normalcy, not philosophical lunacy. We will not allow reality, facts, and truth to become optional. We will never surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die. So that was the big applause line of the whole thing. John, I want to start with you since, yeah, you've, you've been here the longest. So, you know, you helped pave the road for us crazy <laughs> refugees. Normalcy, competency, reality. I mean, nothing he said up there should be extraordinary and yet it is, and we're all lucky enough to be a little part of it. Yeah, look, I mean, Florida's never really been, until Ron DeSantis, a truly conservative state. Sure, we, we voted red, but uh, our state Senate has been pretty squishy in terms of the rhinos. I mean, there was a Senate president a while back, a woman named Anatara Flores from Miami. She was a state rep. She invited mom's demand, Michael Bloomberg's gun grabbers in, and was giddy and smiling and taking photos with them and taking their money. But DeSantis grew up in Florida and he watched the state become purple and creep toward blue. 
We almost had Andrew Gillum as governor. Thank God mm -hmm. DeSantis won. And, and DeSantis just... Literally man, a meth addict. Literally, literally a meth addict. addict. Literally yeah. a meth addict. Write a lot about it. But DeSantis has really, really changed the game in this state. He's gone full bore with conservative common sense policies. And we were all saying this on the plane. I think I was saying this to Carolyn, her husband. What DeSantis has done is not complex. Mm -hmm. You just govern through the lens of the constitution of your state and the constitution of the United States of America. You do what he said, you put common sense over this philosophical nonsense, and you wind up with a really conservative agenda that people love. I mean, look, we picked up a congressional seat. New York lost one, we're doing something right. Buck, I think you're the newest here in Florida, just a couple months in, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's, it's working down here, huh? Look, there's a reason why I think the number is over 300,000 uh, left New York, my home state, in, in the last year. Uh, yeah. and, and so not all of them moved to Florida, but a huge portion of them did. Uh, Florida, Texas, Tennessee, these are all states where you have more freedom, where you have more sanity in general at the state government level. Uh, you do have good cities in all of those states. So, you know, one of the challenges I think in a lot of the red states is you go, okay, well, you know, if you, if you move to Montana, you know, which isn't even that red as a state, by the way, um, but you're not really going to be able to have a, 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 any kind of a city to live in. Whereas here we got Miami, obviously Nashville and Tennessee, and then Dallas slash Houston slash, well, Austin's a little too commie, but I do love it. Anyway. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> like I, I want anarchists covered in tattoos making my latte because they're really good at it. Like, so I have to find that, that mix between constitutional freedom and sane government and, you know, police that are, are, are backed up. Wait, 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 wait. You are definitely you are definitely not spending enough time in Miami because if you get like a really anti-communist Cuban to make you a cafecito, forget your latte, my friend. Oh no, it's fantastic. I mean, when you call someone a commie here, which I've been doing for years, by the way, it it is gets people fired up. <laughs> they really don't they know what communism actually is, and so they really don't like it here. Um, I, I think that this is this is the after effect of COVID that many of us talked about for a while. I mean, Carol, weren't you were you on that? Um, remember when they had the thing where it was like a big phone call where everyone could clubhouse, right? We did like a club. Were you on that clubhouse? And there are all these there are all these dead enders in New York, and there and there was sort of this attitude of like none of you are going to leave. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's not what ended up happening. So I think there's good reasons why. Um, and I. Carol had a line that really stuck with me. I've told her this many times because it was what I was feeling too in the communist enclave of, of Manhattan um, during COVID, which was I, at one point you cross over from being mad at the people in charge to being mad at the people who vote for these people and, and mm -hmm. keep what they say. And once that happens, once you can't respect your neighbors enough to stop being crazy, you gotta go. I think that's an actual, that's a really great point, Carol. I'm glad that Buck brought it up because that's what I was feeling in LA. I, I, I had obviously was frustrated with Newsom and Garcetti and these ridiculous yeah. bureaucrats, but then I would go to the supermarket and I was angry at random people. And that was part of the transition. You also went to, uh, during the day, I think between the inauguration and the, and the ball, you went to a, it was like a parents conference or a mother's conference. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing it was just more sanity, right? Like not just hardcore po conservative political thought, yeah. but just basic sanity. 
Right. So I'm big on anniversaries and the inauguration day was my one year anniversary of living in Florida. And today, yeah. obviously, January 6th is a huge anniversary of one year of us meeting Governor DeSantis. <laughs> um, <laughs> was that on January 6th? That was that was a year ago today when we today, went up there? A year ago today. Um, on Dave and I and some other people were at the governor's mansion uh, meeting the governor for the first time. And I just remember thinking that night that like he has a lot of things at stake, very similar to me. The fact that he has small children, mm -hmm. it shows, it really shows he has to fight for a certain education system that they're going to grow up in. He has to, um, you know, really just fight for a society that they're going to live in. I think it's so important to him for, you know, very similar reasons as it is to me. And just moving to Florida, the comfort that I feel with my kids, like I just, I worry about about what they're getting in school so much less. I worry about just general indoctrination so much less. It's it's really been a weight lifted off of me. I was not sleeping like towards the end of our New York stay because of those, you know, insane neighbors who I just saw pushing this ever crazier agenda. All right, well, I don't want to rain on everybody's parade, but we're going to show you a video clip now. I did not have my producer send this to you before the show, but this is a small portion of Ron DeSantis' speech. And when I was listening to it, I thought I had heard this somewhere else. This could burst into a massive scandal, but I just feel like I have to do the right thing here. So can we just play the portion of DeSantis first, then we'll play the other part. From the Space Coast to the Sun Coast, from St. John's to St. Lucie, from the streets of Hialeah to the Speedway in Daytona, from the Okeechobee all the way up to Micanopy. Okay, so I heard that portion of the speech and the rhythm that it went with, and, I, and it was reminding me of something, something from the early 1990s, and then it hit me. From the Gulf Coast to the Atlantic, from the Keys to the Okie with the 11 o'clock news, this is Jerry Kennedy. <laughs> John, if it turns out that DeSantis's speechwriter stole from Blanche Devereaux, Golden Girls, season seven, I think it's episode two, 1992, does this take down the whole thing? Absolutely not. They lived in Coral Gables, the Golden Girls. I think they were Jeb Bush's neighbors. I'm all in for this. Go for it, Ron. Take more from them. Buck, would you like to comment on that before we move to the other stuff? Oh, sure. I, I was, a, was a big Golden Girls reruns fan back in the day, along with, you know, Charles in Charge. There's like a whole slate of these shows that I feel like I was watching in their second run. Uh, Golden Girls had some great writing. And, but, you know, it, it is a throwback. I did start, I, I've seen, I haven't seen Golden Girls since I moved down here, but I will say that I, I have watched some Miami Vice and uh, which I'd never really watched before. And you see what the Florida of the eighties was like and what it's turned into now. It's a pretty fascinating transformation. Um, I still I still tell Cardillo that I wanna wear the uh, sunglasses with the, yeah. the connects. <laughs> And like neon flip flops. You can do that and, here. And a pink tank yeah. top with an alligator across it. But, you know, I might do that. I'm going to rent a Ferrari, a convertible Ferrari. Buck and I are just going to go cruise around. That settles it. I mean, if, 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 let's Fair be way. honest. If any of us went for a walk on Cardillo's boat and he did have a pet gator, would it really be that surprising? <laughs> it wouldn't. It would not. <laughs> Carol, do you have any thoughts on the Golden Girls? Well, a, a, great, a great series of women I mean, from Florida. Yeah, 
Blanche was the best one, too. So if DeSantis is going to lift from any of them, I think she's the <laughs> one to borrow from. You just kind of, you know, Dorothy was kind of a big lib, but you knew Blanche was with us. So I, I think I think he made the right decision of uh, who to oh, copy there. Do Dorothy would have been telling all of her neighbors to, to double mask. She would have been. <laughs> Thank you for sure. Dorothy would have voted for Charlie Chris. That's very sad, very sad. All right, let's shift uh, away from Florida for a second because I mean, I, every day on the show, I say all these great things about Florida. Everyone gets it, okay, fine. Uh, but there are some other things going on in the country and I guess there are people that live outside Florida from what I've read. Uh, and DC is just an absolute uh, cluster F right now of what's going on with the Republicans being unable to select a leader. So we've got it. So this is all breaking right this second. So we've got a tweet from Jake Sherman uh, breaking news, Kevin McCarthy announces on GOP call that he and Chip Roy have a deal. So I guess there is some kind of deal, but it sounds like it's tenuous at best. It's not official. And obviously they haven't voted on it yet. And Chip Roy is saying that it's not quite closed. Um, so first, uh, well, Buck, let me go to you uh, first on this one. What do you make of just the general state of the fight? Because my position is that the fight in and of itself, a couple days of fighting, that's not the worst thing in the world. Like, let's let's have at it a little bit, right? That's been my feeling from the beginning. I've been saying this on, on radio. Uh, what's the big deal? These people are paid to fight over stuff like this. It's fine. It's not like we're missing some great opportunity to pass amazing legislation. <laughs> when was the last time that happened anyway? And and there, there should be some sense that it's not always... I, I think that there are a lot of people that just... They at least want disruption in the debate, if not disruption, uh, you know, within the GOP, if not disruption in the actual process uh, that goes on. And I think they'd like to see both. So I'm I'm fine with it. I don't want to like let let them fight. I, I also been telling everybody because you know some people get a little too, uh, you know, if you agree with somebody on 95% of political issues or 90% of political issues, and then you start calling them a rhino or a squish or a mm -hmm. bad person over who's going to be speaker of the house, I'm like, where do we think this? Republican primary is going. Because let's just say, I know there are, there are two heavyweights everybody thinks about. Nikki Haley is definitely going to be running. A few other people are definitely going to be running. It's going to get a little messy. You know, sometimes it's got to be like Thanksgiving after everyone's had three glasses of wine. You know, people are going to let it fly a little bit. <laughs> right. And usually you're a little bit of a better fighter when you've fought some better opponents. That's kind of how it works. And don't forget, guys, just as of this morning, John Bolton and his mustache are running for president as uh, oh, Republicans. But let, I got two clips here, so I wanna show you kind of both sides of where uh, the Republicans are at at the moment. First, here's Chip Roy. This is yesterday when he was calling for the nomination of Byron Donalds, who, as uh, my audience knows, is a, a congressman from down here, Southwest Florida. So take a look. Today, I'm rising to nominate Byron Donalds for Speaker of the House of Representatives. <laughs> Byron, is a dear friend, a solid conservative, but most importantly, a family man who loves dearly his wife, Erica, his three children, has a proven track record as a businessman, public service in the Florida legislature, and now as a member of the United States Congress. But there's an important reason for nominating Byron. And that is, this country needs a change. This country needs leadership that does not reflect this city, this town that is badly broken. 
So I think the sentiment is right there. John, I'll start with you on this one. Um, exporting a little bit of what we got in Florida, and I think Byron Donalds is a, a great example of that, that would be pretty sweet, even though I guess at this moment it sounds like it's not gonna happen. Yeah, look, Byron Donalds to me is an absolute rock star. They got, they got one of the best uh, public speakers, ex extemporaneous public speakers I've ever seen. He understands the issues incredibly well. He gets it, the man loves America. I'd love to see Byron Donalds as speaker, but Chip Roy is right about something else. DC is badly broken. And it's a town that runs on money. And Kevin McCarthy has raised so many members, so much money. And I'm getting beat up on Twitter because I'm like, hey, look, this is kind of a pointless fight, right? It's a good fight to have. Don't get me wrong, but you can't get everything right now. And here's my fear. I don't trust in that, in that group of 200 to 203, depending on which ballot you're looking at, mm -hmm. that voted for Kevin McCarthy and won't waver. I don't trust, and it's a bet I would never take, that you don't have six Liz Cheney's or Adam Kinzinger's in there, that if this thing goes long enough, are gonna move over, cut a deal with Dems, and vote for Hakeem Jeffries. Because the part of this we're all ignoring is on every vote, on every ballot, Hakeem Jeffries, a radical leftist, a true communist, Hakeem Jeffries has gotten 212 votes. Six more, six Cheney's or Kinzinger's, move over. We've got the most radically far left speaker of the house the United States has ever seen. He makes Nancy Pelosi look like Bill Clinton or a moderate R. All right, that's my fear. So I do wanna see this thing close quickly. I think it's gonna be very difficult for somebody besides McCarthy to get the votes. I just don't trust today's Republican party. You know, the Chip Roy's and the Byron Donald's are anomalies. They're, they're in the, the vast minority of true conservatives. I don't trust this conservative, this Republican party to hold the line the Democrats are far better at the political blood sport as it is today than are Republicans. So they better close the thing quickly or Jeffries is gonna make his move. Yeah, and just to be clear, even though the Republicans technically have the majority, it could right. happen. They just get like sure. six guys, as you're saying, to jump to the other side. And then next thing you know, we have one party rule again. Uh, real quick, let me show you the counterpoint on this. So Dan Crenshaw, who's also from Texas, which is interesting because obviously Chip Roy is a congressman from Texas as well. Here's Crenshaw giving the opposing point on sort of why you should go with McCarthy. We all served in different ways, but we mostly served for the same reason, so that we would take the fight to the enemy and the enemy would not no longer take the fight to the American people. We had purpose, we had mission. That was our mission. We have mission up here. Some people have different priorities. Some people want to cut spending. Some people want to fix our, our mandatory spending problems. Some of us want to fix the border, deal with the Mexican drug cartels that are murdering uh, tens of thousands of Americans a year by poisoning them with fentanyl. There's a lot of missions that we have up here. I don't think that the American people care about any of these so-called missions happening this week. Rules changes, who gets more power, who gets on what committee. I can't think of one American who gives a damn about any of that. They care about the mission. And the conservative agenda is one that will accomplish the mission for the American people the best, but we can't start that agenda until we start governing. That's why we're up here, because we care about mission, we care about service, and we care about the American people, and we care about getting things done. Carol, what do you think about that take, that it's sort of like, suck it up, U20, like, we've got the majority, it'll be better than the other guys, let's just play through, something to that effect. 
So I don't understand the idea that this is somehow embarrassing, that democracy is embarrassing. Like, oh, how embarrassing. Not everybody agrees. And especially the left saying it to us, like, oh, how humiliating. <laughs> you guys don't agree on everything. Um, I, I hate all of that. That's like ridiculous to me. And what I think Crenshaw is wrong about here is that Americans do understand what is happening. Go to any conservative chat group on the internet. They know what is happening in Congress. They understand this battle. They really do. And yes, they want the bigger agenda passed, absolutely. But they want the people in charge who will be most accountable for passing that agenda. And it, look, there's so many personality-driven things here, like the fact that Trump supports Kevin McCarthy. That's so big in the background of this. Like his supporters are like kind of not going along with what he wants, but by his supporters, I mean Trump's. And they want somebody new. And they also want somebody held, people held accountable for the the losses that happened in this last election and they want leadership change and that's not crazy that's not embarrassing that's not humiliating and it's okay that we all are arguing it out i love yeah. by the way i should just add love that john cardillo is being called a rhino on twitter i find that hey, it's, it's unbelievable i'm a big squish it's rhino awesome. I'm, be, I'm being called dan crenshaw light that was one of my favorite i can't even stand the so guy happy yeah, that's it's actually hilarious it's one thing if I get called a rhino, but Cardillo, like something really ain't right. The, the biggest ahead, dissonance, I mean, this is right up there with people saying like, Cardillo, he doesn't go hard in the paint. You know, that's not a guy that really throws down on the right. I'm like, uh, go back, go back at his Twitter feed like a month and tell me tell me who else is, is throwing the kind of punches that John, but anyway, put, put that aside for a second. Somehow there's just this carve out where it's fine for Donald Trump to push for McCarthy. And this is where I say to people, come on now, come on now. If, if we're going to do this thing where they're going to fillet people on Twitter uh, about how their their squishes and their fakes. And by the way, I, I haven't come. I'm I'm a proud fence sitter on this issue. I'm like, look, I think there could be a better speaker. I think McCarthy would probably be more or less, you know, maybe with some concessions. OK, I don't really care. I actually think I, I agree with actually a lot of what what Crenshaw said about how this doesn't really I agree that it doesn't really matter. I don't think it's fair that people don't know what's going on, but I don't think it changes all that much. Um, but the fact that Trump is able to come out in favor and basically tell everybody, we'll vote for McCarthy, and no one's saying, well, Trump is a rhino squish who's a big Trump supporter. I mean, that just goes to show you here that I think people, this is about emoting. Our side doesn't, doesn't do that very often, but after a really disappointing midterm election um, and, and after the recognition that we have, look, we have fights ahead. I mean, that, I just think this is the first of many battles like this where it's not going to be so clear to everybody what the agenda should be, who should be in charge of that agenda, and the best way to get it through. I, I don't believe there's all this clarity on the right. I, I think people need to throw some elbows and figure this out. Yeah, we don't do emoting, but we do a lot of personal, like a lot of the, the interactions that, that we have on the right are personality based and very, very personal. I just think that the left often puts aside differences and just joins together. And we don't do that. We're like, I hate that guy. He did something bad to me once in 1986 and there's no way I'm voting with him. And it, there's just a lot of that on the right. And I wish we would sort of stop all the personal kind of feelings. Like McCarthy just, he, people just don't like him. Some people just don't like him. And it has nothing to do with how good he can uh, pull together the caucuses or, or any of that. It's about, they just don't personally don't like him. And I, you see this in the interviews that they give on TV. It's like, it is personal and it, I wish we wouldn't do it.
It is interesting though, the, the Trump portion of this as Trump has sort of been, you know, neutered to where he just posts things on truth that then get shared elsewhere with his, you know, capitalization and, and sort of crazy way of talking where he basically is backing McCarthy where it seems like his own base doesn't really like McCarthy and the guys that he's trying to convince are not really listening to him even if there's a deal there. So that might signal a little bit of the, the sort of squandered influence of Trump. What do you think, John? Yeah, I mean, I got beat up on both sides, right? I got beat up for saying that they should close this thing quickly. And then I put out a tweet the other day, yesterday or the day before, saying, look, one of the uh, one of the stories not being told is that Trump's political capital clearly isn't what it used to be. Because to the point of Carolyn Buck and you, Dave, Trump has been pushing for McCarthy pretty hard, actually, and behind closed doors from people I know very close to him even harder. And it's falling on deaf ears. Matt Gates is a Trump loyalist in every other respect. But on this, he's not budging and he's not listening to the former president. Trump supporters, as Carol noted, are not listening to Trump. And so it's it's an interesting tale about where Trump's political capital sits today. Who's been on some dates sometimes that were going well in the past, Dave. Uh, and then the, the lady that I was sitting across from said something that I just really didn't want to hear about something, right? Something that was a little off, a little dumb, a little weird. You can just... Pretend you didn't hear it. You know, that's one option. You just sort of go like, I don't think she even said that thing she said. Trump voters are doing that right now with McCarthy. Not all yeah, of them, but a lot yeah. of them. Like, he didn't. Good analogy. He didn't actually, he didn't say that thing. I still love him. It's great. It's fine. You're like, okay. Yeah. Well, the other thing they do, the other thing they say is he's keeping his enemies closer. It's for D chess, which is just stupid and really, really just is annoying. But, you know, his followers are going to make excuses. But I, I do think this says quite a bit about where he stands. And it might be telling going into 24 about his capital value. And it might be really telling going into 24. Well, we can't talk about Trump without talking about Adam Schiff. And Adam Schiff <laughs> went on The View and he talked to Joy Behar. So do I even have to lead it with anything other than that? They're going to be blocking Biden's agenda, investigating his family and his cabinet, Hunter Biden's laptop. They promised to kick you off the House Intelligence Committee. What are you going to do about that? Well, you know, in terms of my uh, of my service on the Intelligence Committee, this was one of the promises I think Kevin McCarthy gave, one of the great many and growing list, uh, to try to placate the, the hardliners like Marjorie Taylor Greene and get their support. Um, but, uh, but, you know, there are much bigger concerns, frankly, I have with what they will do. Carol, is McCarthy showing up on these shows, particularly The View, which has become a complete caricature of what Barbara Walters, who just passed away, wanted to create, you know, 20 years ago? Is that just a perfect example of what sort of the swamp and the machine and the monster is? These people who lie about everything, never get fired, never get called out all of the stuff, it just endlessly happens over and over. And usually they actually just get promotions out of it or, or better TV gigs. So you said McCarthy, but I'm sure you mean Schiff. Oh, I'm sorry, Schiff, Schiff. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just want to know- Maybe I didn't, maybe I, that, that might've been a very That question got right really there. interesting with the McCarthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although that would be interesting, right? Um, no, I, you know, 
of course it is. Of course, Schiff is just part of the absolute swampiest swamp. But he he says that like MTG wants to get rid of him. Um, and I want to know which Republican wants to keep Schiff. Like, who is the Republican right. who is who would like to to have him stay on? So the idea that that it's some hardliners who are anti him, like, no, that's a pretty all all around idea that we all share. Um, that that Schiff is just the absolute worst, and that he's you know reduced to talking on the view about his um, plans and how much he hates various Republicans. Buck, do you think it's a good idea, so assuming that it is McCarthy or one way or another, the Republicans are gonna get this thing and it's not gonna be Hakeem Jeffries, do you like the idea of just opening up investigations into everything? Do you think that's what people want, whether it's COVID or whether it's looking into the January 6th commission or any of all the nonsense they've put us through? Is that the best use of their time or would you rather them go in another direction? It's the thing that they do that they can do it's not going to make very much difference. Um, the, the the Benghazi effect, I think, is uh-huh. where this becomes most apparent. Uh, the Benghazi hearings, look, once Barack Obama won re-election, the idea that there was going to be accountability for Benghazi to anybody who understands the bureaucracy, I mean, I come out of the CIA, right, was laughable. It was just not going to happen. There was just no way. Because what happens when you look at a failure like that you have all these different people who just point the fingers at 100 other people and no one's really responsible for anything, right? The only accountability comes for the person at the top, whether the State Department or the president, and that didn't happen. So uh, it was great for people to audition for cable news uh, shows after they finished their congressional terms, but it had no actual effect whatsoever. Um, I think that you are likely to see uh, some of these investigation. The, the, one, the one where I would say it's different because we really do need the information, more information is on anything COVID and vaccine related mm-hmm. um, on, on that data internally, because that fight, as we all know, is still going on to convince more people of how wrong the Fauci Democrat side was on this and also how dishonest they were. So I'm in favor of getting that information out there. So I'm not saying it's useless, but this idea that we're going to have hearings and hold them accountable Accountability comes to the ballot box. I mean, the other side will start, spe- are we going to get a special counsel? No. Do they ever appoint special counsels? No. Does anyone really think they're going to prosecute Hunter Biden? Clay and I have a bet on that one. I already won, but we're going to do another bet on that one. <laughs> you know, once you understand the nature of these people and this machinery, you, you know where it's all going. So, you know, investigations, it'll give us something to talk about. On the COVID side, I think the information is necessary to get on the public sphere. But we're not going to own the libs by having a bunch of members of Congress, you know, have some terse questioning sessions. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and John, isn't it interesting because not only, OK, we have these investigations, nothing really goes anywhere. But I don't know if you guys have noticed this the last couple of days on Twitter, but there have been a ton of ads from uh, HHS and the CDC where yeah. their messaging on COVID has significantly changed. They are now saying stuff on Twitter that a year ago would have gotten all of us banned, basically saying, if you're under 50 and young and healthy, you don't need the vaccine. That's what their ads are saying because they're trying to get older people vaxxed. If we would have said that a year ago, we would have been booted. So they, they, it's not just that the investigations don't do anything. They actually change their narrative in real time so you completely forget all of the stuff that they botched all along. Yeah, absolutely. And look, Buck's, <clears throat> excuse me, Buck is spot on, right? Congress has no prosecutorial power. They've got to send it up to the attorney general. Merrick Garland is waging a campaign of retribution and reprisal against conservatives for killing his SCOTUS bid. So that's the last guy who's going to do anything. Look, 
I, the last clip you played gave me an idea. Let's just sit Fauci in a room and make him listen to Behar and Chef having a conversation <laughs> all day long. That is, Buck, I bet you wish you had that back in the agency for the Taliban. I mean, that was torturous, having to listen to that. That's worse but, than waterboarding. <laughs> worse than waterboarding. But look, I agree with Buck. Get the information out there because the, the one thing we need to do is have doctors, even Bill Maher, uh, there was a clip on Twitter today of Bill Maher saying doctors are afraid. His doctors tell him very different things in private than they're willing to say in public. Let's get this information out there so doctors are no longer afraid to speak publicly and give their patients the proper advice on these vaccines. And I think if anything comes out of any hearings and that's the thing, then we took a step forward. Well, speaking of other screwy government things, uh, Joe Biden finally Finally, he's talking about the border. Uh, I think he's a little confused about this Title 42 situation. Take a look. In fact, the previous administration used a rule called Title 42 to deal with, to deal with the pandemic, a rapidly, to rapidly expel people who crossed the border. It was designed to deal with the pandemic, but it's used as a means to expel people at the border. People turned away under Title 42. And they're not, and, 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 and they're not barred from trying to come back. They've been turned away. They go back. They try again. They try again. Well, you know, they can and they do try to re-enter the United States again and again, which makes the problem that borders at the border even worse. Man, is it just me or is it getting harder and harder to listen to him because he has oh. no idea what he's saying? Actually, about two minutes after that, he turned to Kamala and called her President Harris. And you could see that when they locked eyes, the shame in her face of this absolute farce. Uh, Carol, they're not gonna do anything on the border, right? Like they just want more and more people to come. The other thing that he announced was he's gonna give these people an app or access to an app so that they can get in line in effect. Yeah. He also compared the migrant situation below our Southern border uh, to the Holocaust, which probably not the really most apt comparison. Right, especially because he did add, don't come to the border uh, yeah. to be coming. So like at the Holocaust, would he have right. been like, don't come, do not get on the ships. Um, it, you know, it's so just um, disheartening to me that Republicans will not fight on the border. It is such a popular issue to stop the flow of illegal immigration at our southern border. And I just continue not to understand why Republicans won't make it a political issue. It is not racist. It is not in any way racist. It is, yep. it is absolutely about the rule of law. And you know, I say this, of course, as an immigrant, as somebody who had to wait to come into the United States as a refugee, and I don't understand why Republicans won't use it. Last month, Chuck Schumer said that he wants to legalize every single person in the US illegally, not like dreamers who were brought here mm -hmm. when they were kids. No, every single person. And yet that wasn't used in ads in Georgia for the Herschel Walker runoff. Um, that would have been a really powerful ad. And so I, we could blame Biden and we can blame Democrats for the mess, the continuing mess. But until Republicans step up and grow a pair and start fighting on this, it, it won't change. We're just gonna continue to have this flow. Buck, are we missing something on the media side of this thing? I mean, you probably saw last week they had this video out of the El Paso airport with just, you know, dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of illegal aliens just sleeping at the airport. And it's like, nobody's gonna cover that on mainstream media. We, you know, we showed it, you probably talked about it, but it never bubbles up. And because of that, the average person doesn't have a freaking clue what's going on. And then they hear Chuck Schumer say, make everyone legal. And it sounds nice and people are stupid. Like it's basically something like that. We talk about it, but I think we also sometimes on the right get 
pulled down into the weeds of, oh, well, it's Title 42 and they're going to change and they're, they're going to do some shifting of resources. To They want as many illegals to come into the country as possible. Yes. They want to legalize all of the illegals, all of them who are in the country. They want to make it illegal to call them illegals. Uh, the moment that you actually look at the reality of policy, I've been to the border many times. I've spent a lot of time down there with Border Patrol and and the the amount, the the sheer volume of the scams that are constantly being run. These are not asylum seekers. This is the whole thing. Well, so we mm -hmm. sit here talking about, oh, how do we process the asylum seekers? Carol talked about coming here as a refugee. Refugees apply in a foreign country to come into this country because of clear oppression from a tyrannical government. It's not a tyrannical government if you just want access to a better jobs market or better welfare. That's not the same thing. Um, people that are leaving countries that have gang violence, we have gang violence. Lots of countries have gang violence. That's, that doesn't make you an asylum seeker. They use the system to get into the country and then they don't actually show up for their hearings. They And if they do show up for the hearings, there's usually an additional hearing about deportation. We have to start talking about what we're going to really do, not just stop people from coming in now, but also are we going to do are we going to remove people or encourage self-deportation of people who have come in recent years in this flood of of now five million under Biden? Um, so I think Republicans talk about it, but they don't they're sort of using the the framework of the Democrats of, oh, well, it's border security. Let's look. No, this is a mass illegal immigration plan that has been playing out really for decades, but accelerated dramatically in the last four years. And Democrats lie about it at every step and at every stage. They are absolutely full of crap. Am I allowed to curse on the show? You, you can <laughs> say crap. You, you can I'm go further than crap if you'd like. I, you're a radio guy, so if you really want to drop it, this is your moment. Yeah. I was like, you know, I was sitting be like, this is malarkey, it's cockamamie, what's going on? <laughs> yes, and by the way, just to add to what you said, even if they were all fleeing the most horrific repression and, and all of the worst stuff that we can all imagine, that's not a reason for us not to have a border. We still yeah. should have a border that's protected and, and, and then figure out how to- a small number of real asylum seekers as right. it is. Right. I mean, yeah. if if a hundred million people in China said well, we all want to come here because the Chinese Communist Party is totalitarian, Chinese Communist Party is totalitarian. Mm -hmm. But America's not America if a hundred million foreigners show up in one year. Like we all, I know people say, well, that's crazy. Yeah. And how crazy is it getting these days? Five yeah, million in two years is going to keep going. Right. And look, Bernie Sanders made that point one time. He said, if you open the borders, you cannot imagine the level of poverty around the world and how many people are going to come here. Bernie Sanders. I mean, you know, it's not a crazy idea. People will come here. Well, that's you know, just because here, Bernie knows he doesn't want to give up one of the three houses to these uh, right. these immigrants. John, since people are calling you a rhino on Twitter, bring us home yeah. here. Really go full crazy right wing I mean, look, extremist. I, I, I'm going to go full crazy right wing extremist. You don't have I'm to encourage him, by the way. He's going to do yeah. <laughs> But listen, it's through the lens of pragmatism. I've been chomping at the bit. Over the last 48 hours, if you've been watching some of these videos, the Mexican army launched a full-blown yeah. military assault in Cuyacan. Now, what Cuyacan is... For those who don't know, it's the home of Mayo Zambada. Well, who is he? Ismael Mayo Zambada was El Chapo's partner. He was really El Chapo's padrone, his, his godfather, his rabbi, the guy that got him started in the cocaine game, in, in the drug trafficking game. You hear my dog barking because uh, he somehow got out. But they caught, El Chapo, they caught El Chapo's son. Well, those Sicarios, those killers that work for the cartels are now fleeing like little rats and like fleas. 
Where are they going? They're going to come here. And what are they going to do? Now, this isn't speculative. This isn't Cardillo, ex-law enforcement guy being a fear monger. This is what happens. Talk to anybody at ICE. Talk to anybody at Homeland Security Investigations. Anybody at DEA. DEA Intelligence, south of the border. They're going to tell you, these guys come here, and where do they go? They go to Miami. They go to Texas, to, to Houston, to Dallas. Really go to Chicago, New York, Los Angeles. They align with MS-13, with the Mexican Mafia, and the drug gangs that are already murderous, that are already vicious, that are already flooding the streets with synthetic meth. By the way, everybody worries about cocaine and fentanyl. As, as it's analyzed right now, DEA intelligence feels that uh, Miles Zambada has somewhere in the neighborhood of six to eight billion dollars in synthetic meth in tunnels in Mexico ready to bring into the US. So these Sicarios come up here, they create these drug networks, these more vicious killer gangs, they build those tunnels. If you think drugs are flooding the streets now, just wait until we really see the effects of Biden's policies. This will get Americans killed, make no mistake. Brutal deaths from either being shot in crossfires or horrific drug overdoses. It's getting police officers killed. It's getting kids killed. The Biden administration is committing felony upon felony. They'll never be held to account, but they should be. I cannot end a show on a Friday with brutal death and mass <laughs> drug overdosing. So Carol- you asked for it. Car well, no, yeah, I'm gonna let Carol finish us up, but Buck, you've got a, a, just enough of a smile there that I feel you can get us out of that mess and then I'm gonna have Carol bring us home. Say something nice before the weekend, for God's sake. You know, sake. happy happy one year January 6th anniversary again. I, you know, we get to be Floridians. We get to go out in the sunshine. I'm gonna spend the weekend at the beach. I don't know about the rest of you. Usually Cardillo does these, you know, these hits from the beach. So I think, thank you so much for <laughs> Yeah, doing thank you for doing this indoors this week, John. Um, but I, you You're know, I, we're lucky, we're blessed. Oh, you know what I wanted to add? that my favorite part of Ron DeSantis' speech is, you know, again, I'm an immigrant, I'm a super America lover, and I love the part where he said that we have to fight for this country and we can't just be like, oh, America's over, that's it, what are you gonna do? I hate that, I think, I love that we're fighting, I love that the fight is, starts in Florida and there's nowhere else to go, we have to fight for this place, let's do it. Yeah. Well, I enjoy fighting with you guys. Buck, I will give you the final word. I was gonna say, Carol, Carol stuck the landing, I'm gonna go out into my 80 degree weather and drink something made with fruit with a little umbrella in it, because Florida. <laughs> Amen. Going to the beach club, guys. Let's do it. All right, have a great weekend, guys. Uh, I'm going to continue for a few minutes. We are jumping over to our Locals exclusive post-game show where you guys can correct me on anything that I screwed up. You can say all sorts of mean things about my guests and much more, rubenreport.locals.com. So we're going to jump over right now. You guys have a great weekend. Enjoy Thanks, your fruity Dave. drinks and all that Thanks, good guys. stuff. And uh, are we pausing for a moment, or am I just rolling right in? We're gonna go right into locals. All right, all right, see you guys, thank you. Bye. Thanks, Dave. Are you still monitoring the speaker's race? Are you still watching the speaker's race? I'm, I'm following with great, uh, how can I say it? Attention. Attention. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.